you will, to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2 is where we are going to be reading together in just a few moments. It would be wonderful if you had a Bible open or on and ready to follow along. After reading from Acts 2, we'll go a little before that to the Gospel of Mark and then just notice a variety of New Testament passages from beginning nearly to end. Glad that you're here. Hope that you have been able to enjoy this beautiful, beautiful day outside. Have you ever bought anything on TV? Maybe seen this as seen on TV sticker? That doesn't seem to be as common as it once was. I can remember being a teenager and a young adult and it seemed like right around, I don't know, about 10 o'clock, just about every TV channel at night was full of infomercials. It doesn't seem like we have as many infomercials maybe now in, in the age of YouTube and Amazon and things like that. But the idea behind an infomercial, of course, was just really, really, really simple. You need to be loud, you need to be colorful, because you need to somehow grab attention and get people somehow hooked long enough that they would pause at least for a little while so that they could see how excited you were about whatever product it was, and maybe in the excitement, you get them thinking about how, well, this really could maybe revolutionize my life, and uh, well, how much is it? And you know, in, in just three easy installments of 1995, your life can be completely renovated for the rest of your life, and once they get you excited, well, now you're all in. You can't wait for it to arrive and, and to, to open it, to unbox it, and just to dive right in so that you can taste what those excited people taste or feel the way those excited people feel or look the way excited people on that infomercial look. The earliest one that I can remember, at least in our own young married life, was Tybo. I don't know if anybody got sucked into the... I mean, there are plenty of people in this room who don't even know what those big black things at the bottom of that screen are or how you would use them, but uh, I can remember more than one person in our little sphere of influence that just got captivated by this workout plan that in just three VHS tapes would completely change your life. And then I remember moving into the juicer phase. I don't know if anybody got sucked into these fancy blenders where you could blend just about anything and, and make smoothies at home. But I have also noticed in communities all around where we are sitting right here this evening, those sorts of things for sale in people's driveways. In fact, maybe you've got something really fancy that for a little while has been, I mean, it's got a motor and it's got a belt that will make you move really, really, really fast, but maybe for a little while it's just been a really expensive place to hang your clothes. We all, whatever the 
area of life, we all know what it is to, huh, get intrigued by something and maybe even get really curious to the point of getting really excited and maybe so excited that, okay, I'm all in. But the reason that those sorts of things show up in yard sale after yard sale after yard sale is whatever devotion was built up, it's worn off. Whatever curiosity and excitement was ignited has kind of waned. This past week, you and I heard a whole lot about fellowship, koinonia. What a cool word that we kept hearing over and over and over again. In fact, our youngest daughter, I, I was in the kitchen on Monday and she happened to be walking by the kitchen from her bedroom to the back of the house and she was just talking to herself, not even really talking to herself, but I just heard her say, koinonia, koinonia, like she had never heard that word and was just turning it over in her head and, and making sure she knew how to pronounce it. We heard a lot about that word and its meaning over the course of these past few days. All that it means, as Ralph taught us, is participation, sharing, communion partnership or fellowship and I don't know about you but there are times that series of lessons just hit me at the what seems like just the right time and I needed this series as an individual disciple I I needed this series as a preacher and I know that many of you have shared with me in a variety of ways. I got more than one text from more than one of you that said, you know, that series really got me thinking about the gap between who I am and who I ought to be or what I'm doing and what I know I, I could be doing if I were devoted the way that I ought to be. But I'd love to spend just a few minutes with you. I by no means want to in any way, shape, or form re-preach what Ralph preached. But I would love just in the, the context of that, first of all, to impress upon you, if you weren't here, you really missed something. And thanks to the good efforts of some very dedicated servants, you're able to go back and watch or listen, and I would wholeheartedly encourage you to do that. But what I would love to do is just to kind of turn over together in our heads. All right. Where do we go from here? We had some really good, really challenging, really convicting lessons straight out of God's Word. How do we make sure those don't just go into the internet archives and be kind of like something that, well, for a few days that was really something, but, you know, now it's kind of pushed back into the background for the 
the next yard sale sort of thing. No, where, where do we go from here? And if your Bible is open to Acts chapter 2, you look with me at verse 42, I would suggest to you that a whole lot of where I and where you go from here is going to depend on the second verse that Ralph shared with us in that entire series where we looked at a whole lot of verses. This was the second one that he shared with us. Immediately after that first gospel sermon is preached and thousands of people respond, Luke summarizes for us in verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. Obviously, Ralph focused in on fellowship over the course of those four days. I suggest to you, where we go from here depends on that word. They devoted themselves. We use that word in all sorts of different contexts. All that it means is, I, I see this, this, this is important, I need to concentrate on this. Recognizing that I live in a really busy, really noisy world and I, I only have so much that I can be devoted to, so much attention that I can pay. When I become devoted to something, you know what? There are all sorts of other things, other opportunities, other responsibilities but I'm going to do everything that I can to bring this to the forefront. I need to concentrate on this and and not just for a moment you know that's the infomercial thing they get you to concentrate for a little while get you really excited but if commitment is lacking however concentrated I was well eventually the treadmill turns into a clothes hanger why? Because I, I lost my commitment. But to be devoted is to concentrate on, to commit to a particular pursuit or purpose or cause. And if you'll turn in your Bibles back to the Gospel of Mark chapter 3, one thing to see the dictionary definition of that word, another to notice how it was used in the original language of Scripture. And if we just notice a few examples beginning in Mark chapter 3, I hope this idea of being devoted to really becomes clear. Like fellowship. Koinonia. We, we noticed, Ralph showed us over and over and over again. It can be translated in a variety of different ways. Participate, share, communion, partnership, fellowship. So also this word that we have translated devoted. Let me show you. If your Bible is open there to Mark chapter 3. Jesus is preaching. There are people who have come from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and from beyond far away. And so in Mark chapter 3 and verse 8, Jesus told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. 
Our word is there. The same word that Acts 2.42 we have translated devote. It's right there. Have ready. Maybe there's more than one boat on the shore, but this boat we're going to have ready. Uh, This boat has been used for a variety of different things. First and foremost, it's used by fishermen to get out into the sea and, and fish. But on this occasion, Jesus tells his disciples, I want you to take this boat and I want this boat to be ready because of this very large crowd. We're devoting this boat. For a specific purpose. Go back with me to Acts chapter 2. This time notice Acts chapter 2 verse 46. As Luke continues to describe this early church and how their lives are literally being turned upside down or maybe more accurately right side up by the gospel. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 46, Luke tells us, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Our word is there. It's not translated devoted. In this verse, at least the English Standard Version renders it attending. Day by day, attending the temple together. It's koinonia. Fellowship. They're doing this together. They're participating together. They're going to a building that has been devoted in a very holy sense to very holy practices. Or a few pages later, in Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 6, there are Grecian widows among these believers who are being neglected. There are thousands and thousands of new believers and the apostles... They say we're going to need seven men appointed to making sure in this daily distribution these widows are not being neglected. And in Acts 6 verse 4, the apostles then say, we will, we will devote ourselves to prayer. And to the ministry of the word. There are lots of responsibilities, lots of opportunities, lots of bases that need to be covered. So we're going to make sure to the best of our ability that all of those things get covered. But we, the apostles, are going to concentrate on something else. We're going to be committed in a a different lane. Or a few pages later in Acts chapter 8, Philip has gone and is preaching the gospel in Samaria. And many Samaritans are responding to this good news. Among them is a man named Simon. He's a a magician. And Luke tells us in Acts 8 verse 13, even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he, here's our word, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. I mean, this man is used to being the amazer, right? He's the one who has drawn crowds of his own in the past. But now he is so blown away by what he sees this believer, Philip, doing. He says, 
lots of people I could follow, lots of places I could go, lots of ways that I could spend my time, but I'm going to continue with you. I'm, I'm going to concentrate on you. I'm committed to going with you, Philip, wherever it is that you go. Or in Acts chapter 10, we read about a centurion. A Roman named Cornelius, he sees a vision and God tells that devout man, I want you to send for a man named Peter in Joppa. And so in Acts chapter 10 and verse 7, when the angel who spoke to Cornelius had departed, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. There's our word. I mean, there are all kinds of soldiers pointed in all different kinds of directions, all sorts of responsibilities, but this soldier is concentrating on being right there with Cornelius. And whatever Cornelius needs in the moment, this soldier, he's not going to be sent all the way to Rome to carry a message. He's not going to be sent out into the field of battle. He's attending to Cornelius. This is used all over the New Testament. Not just historically to tell us what certain people did at certain times, but it's used by inspiration of the Holy Spirit to talk to disciples about, listen, there are lots of things that can have your attention in any given day. Listen, we're, we're, we're not unique. If you lived in Rome 2,000 years ago, there were plenty of spectacles, plenty of opportunities, plenty of responsibilities, plenty of distractions. But disciple of Jesus Christ, let me tell you what you really need to concentrate on. Let me tell you what you really need to be committed to. Here's one instance, Romans chapter 12 and verse 12. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant. Here's our word. I haven't always concentrated on prayer. What about you? I mean, 12 o'clock in the afternoon rolls around and it's not hard for me to start concentrating on what's for lunch. 6 o'clock p.m. rolls around, it's not very challenging for me to start concentrating on what's for dinner. To the point that Maybe I get really committed to finding something pretty quickly to the point that a whole lot of other things start get, getting pushed into the background. Would you just slow down with me long enough this evening to notice? God, through the Apostle Paul, told Christians, you want to know what to concentrate on? Be committed to 
prayer. Or as he wrote to those in Colossae, Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2. Here's our word again, translated into two different English words. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. All that those words are showing us is what it means to be devoted. The early church was devoted. In fact, this is the way that Ralph put it on Sunday morning. Look at the company fellowship is keeping. Talking about Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. Look at how important it is. You might say, about the apostles' teaching. Oh, absolutely devoted. Prayer, continually devoted. The Lord's Supper, continually devoted. Fellowship, eh, so-so. And we don't feel bad about saying that. Some of us in this building right now would say, my fellowship with these other people is pretty minimal. But look, in Acts 2.42, at the company fellowship is keeping. This is something the first century church concentrated on. I haven't always concentrated on that. If you open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 9, when I'm devoted to the fellowship. When I'm concentrated on the fellowship and committed to the fellowship, what am I saying? Not just with my mouth, not just listening over the course of four days, but by my life. If I'm really devoted to that, what's that going to sound like? What's that going to look like? I'd suggest to you if we could just summarize it in three basic points. Number one, I want to belong. I want that. I want to belong. It's what Saul of Tarsus is looking for in Acts chapter 9 when his life is turned right side up and he He is absolutely on fire for this Jesus that he thought was an imposter. And so he he goes back to Jerusalem where all of this started on that day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And in Acts 9, 26, when he'd come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. What's he looking for? He's looking for koinonia. You're a disciple. I've become a disciple. I want to share in that with you. I I want to participate right along with you. I want to belong with you. Right now, it's just me. But I see there are a whole lot of you, and so I want to be a part of that. And the problem was they were all afraid of him. They they didn't believe that he was a disciple. You see, disciples 2,000 years ago or in 2023... We don't always get this right. I mean, these people were living in the age of, under the guidance of, the apostles. And they're scared. They're unsure. 
And it's not even an apostle. It takes a man named Barnabas to come along and bring this new believer to the apostles and, and to declare to them what has happened to this man on the road, that he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. You see, whether we're talking 2,000 years ago or in 2023, sometimes our first impressions, they're not right. Sometimes we judge by outward appearances. Sometimes we think we know more about a situation than we really do. Sometimes we write off someone without actually giving them a fair hearing. And it takes a, a modern day Barnabas to say, no, 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 no. Let, let me tell you how this man's life is changed. And I want you to notice how Luke describes beginning in verse 28 what happened next. Where do we go from here? Saul went in and out among them at Jerusalem preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists and, and they were seeking to kill him. But now you notice how those people who were afraid of him, now how they're described in relation to him. They're brothers. They enjoy koinonia. To the point that now, when they learn this, they bring him down to a completely different city. They send him off to Tarsus. But what would have been missing if Saul didn't have this mindset, I want to belong, or, or if a Barnabas wasn't there, if disciples weren't willing to open their hearts the way that they needed to what would have been missed out on maybe we get a little glimpse of it in verse 31 the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit it multiplied. When I'm devoted to the fellowship, I'm saying with my mouth and by my manner of life, I want to belong. Number two, open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 4. When I'm devoted to the fellowship, I say, I don't want to just belong. I don't just want a place to sit. I don't just want a place to attend. I don't want a place to be served, first and foremost. I, I'm not looking for a place to come with the attitude, well, what have you done for me lately? And you better live up to my expectations or I'm out of here. No, if I'm devoted to the fellowship, I want to belong and I want to participate. It's the grand plan as described in Ephesians 4 and verse 11. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. It does not say, the Holy Spirit did not say, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to assemble a grand crowd of spectators. Not what it says. He gave these gifts to equip saints 
for work, for the work of ministry, for the, the work of service, for building up the body of Christ. Men and women who have the attitude, I want to belong and I want to participate. Because now the, the primary pronoun is not I or me or mine, it's we. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. When I was on my own, maybe it was really easy for me to be blown about by those things. But it's no longer just me, it's, it's we, it's us and we're participating together we're being anchored together we are speaking into one another's lives the truth in love we are growing up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is Working. Working properly. That's what makes the body grow. So that it builds itself up in love. Here's how Ralph challenged us on Sunday evening. I shouldn't have to tell you. Nobody should have to tell you. You have brothers and sisters that are in need and you have the wherewithal to help. Go help them. You shouldn't have to be told that. You have brethren in this congregation that have needs. You meet those needs. Why? He's your brother. She's your sister. It's the natural response of people who treat each other as family. That's what family is all about. That's what it means to be a fellow disciple of Jesus Christ. Not just with my mouth. I want to tell you. As hard as it is for me to believe, in just a couple of weeks, I and my family will have been blessed to have, have been among you for six years. That went by really, really, really fast. But I remember the impression that was made on me in this room when it was a little smaller and in other rooms when I heard how often, how consistently you describe each other as church family. I had been preaching at the time for about 20 years and had never been a part of a church that so consistent. I remember the first time, I don't know why it sticks with me, but I remember the first time I heard Brent Dinsford stand right behind this podium and describe us in his closing remarks as your church family. That's wonderful. Let's not just talk about it. Let's be that. Let's participate in that. 
If you open your Bibles with me back to 1 John chapter 1, let, let's say, not just with our mouths, but by our, our manner of life, I'm, I'm devoted to the fellowship. And, and what that means is, I'm willing to hold and be held accountable. And that's what John is describing in 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from God and proclaim to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have koinonia with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and don't practice the truth. We need someone to hold us accountable. But if we walk in the light, if we participate, as He is in the light, we have that fellowship with one another. In the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. I want to belong. I want to participate. I'm willing to hold others and be held accountable. That sort of devotion He's going to shine like a peculiar light in a very self-centered world, in a very consumeristic culture wherein everything is tailored to meet my needs and satisfy my preferences. So could I just prompt you? to keep this little list with you over the course of this week and think about next steps. Where do we go from here? We don't want this to end up in the, the spiritual yard sale. This is something that needs to be concentrated on. And so, where do we go from here? Could I just really encourage you to ask, am I devoted to that? I mean, I, I know that's what the earliest Christians were devoted to. Am I really devoted to that? And if not, why not? If not, let's talk about that. And see where to go from here. If not, Let's see what sort of hurdles need to be cleared. What sort of conversations need to be had. Number two, am I ready? We heard Jesus with that boat in Mark chapter 3 said, I, I want this boat devoted. I want this boat ready. What about me? Am I ready? Ready to share. ready to strengthen weak knees, ready to lift drooping hands. And if not, why? What do I need to do to get ready? What do I need to do to, to get the spiritual vitamins and minerals that I need to strengthen myself so that I am ready? And, and once I am ready, am I actually engaging? That's what the first century church 
concentrated their efforts on. They were attending the temple together. And we're not just talking about, Ralph made so clear, not just talking about attending something in this building. This is how he put it on Tuesday evening. Here's our goal. Romans 15, 14. This is the goal of all we're doing. Concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. That's what we want to do. And I would absolutely amen that. We want to make sure that every person in the body of Christ is full of goodness, filled with knowledge, able to minister to others. Am I ready? And if not, why? Where's the deficiency? Where's the hole? Where's the gap? What do I need to do to get ready? And then get the focus off of me. Am I devoted? Am I ready? Am I, am, am I engaged? And now, okay, what about the actual flesh and blood living people all around me? We'll talk, Lord willing, in a couple of weeks, this, this peculiar phenomenon. I don't know if you've noticed, but how easy it is to be intimately acquainted with what's going on 3,000 miles away in people's lives that we've never met before. Meanwhile, rather ignorant about what's going on actually in the lives of the flesh and blood people around me. It's no good. Who, who am I continuing with? And as I survey that crowd, who needs attention? As Ralph put it on Tuesday, imagine what this assembly would look like if before we came in here tonight, every person here, every person that's here said, I've got to find somebody to encourage tonight. Somebody needs encouraging. I want to find them, and I want to encourage them. Why? I shared with you Ralph's second verse that he shared with us. Why does this matter? Because ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, it is an absolute tragedy. When someone is in this building week after week, month after month, year after year, among us walking in, walking out, and has convinced themselves, no one cares for my soul. There are real life people who feel like that. And I don't believe that they are telling themselves the truth. But that's how they feel. There are people in this church family who feel like that. And I don't believe that that's true. But that's how they feel. And so what are we going to do about that? Who needs prayer. We heard how the early church was devoted, concentrating, committed to 
prayer. Spend some real devoted time with the back of your bulletin this week. Who needs prayer? And how am I going to continue steadfastly in this from now on? It has been a hard three years and two months in the life of this church family. This body has been knocked around and battered about and stretched and tested. It has been challenging in a wide variety of ways. But we still believe the very last verse that Ralph shared with us. From 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10, After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To Him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. What are your next steps? What needs are you aware of that are currently being unmet? What can you do? Let's talk about it. Where are opportunities being missed? I can do better. We can do better. Let's talk about it. What sort of opportunities are open? What do you see that maybe others don't see? Let's talk about it. Who's faint-hearted? Who's weary? Let's be gracious. Let's be patient. Let's be loving. And let's get to work. As Ralph shared on Sunday morning, you can't have a good relationship with God without first being in a relationship with God. You have to be committed to God in order to have a good relationship with God. You can't enjoy the benefits of a relationship with God without first having surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. And so maybe that is your next step. Why not take that right here? Right now, what will you wish farther along that you would have concentrated on, been committed to, on this evening in mid-May of 2023? Are there steps that you need to take? Are there ways that we can help you? Ways that we can pray with you and for you? If in any way that's the case, this invitation song is for you. We invite you to come to the front of this room while we stand and sing together.